The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. Hey, welcome to the Great Dive Podcast, everybody. Welcome back. Back to National Cave Diving Month. Are you ready for this cave trip coming up at the end of the month? I'm always ready for this cave trip. Actually, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like a new dry suit. It's never going to happen before we go. I know what you mean, man. I got a hole in my arm I got to fix. got regs I got to service. Hmm. Sounds like you need a... You need like some kind of manservant. <laughs> I do. Do you remember that. they used to call them manservants? I could really go for a manservant. Do you remember Family Affair with Sebastian Cabot, Brian Keith? It, it, it's it's sounding vaguely familiar. Family, Family affair. affair. Yeah. Family Affair. Well, Sebastian Cabot was his manservant. I believe that's what he called him. Not like Benson. And Buffy and Jody. No, not like. Benson was a butler, I believe. Which is different than a manservant? I think so. I think so. If I could have my choice between a butler and a manservant, I will take a manservant, I guess. You are my manservant. Do as I say. I don't think you could say that to a butler. He'd tell you, you know, I'm your butler, sir. I think he'd say, Your breakfast, sir. Good day, sir. (laughs) Good day, sir. Your tanks are serviced, sir. Your regulators are performing as requested, sir. Yeah, but then I would just I'd probably redo them anyways because I wouldn't trust. I don't them. trust my manservant. <laughs> right. Well, you got to get like uh, you get somebody you can Falco. Trust. Falco would be my man. Well, yeah, that yeah, would yeah. be ideal. You need somebody who's really. But in then the I'd want I'd want to be his manservant. I'd be like <laughs> Falco. You're the man. Manservant isn't great. <laughs> I like a uh, woman servant. Yeah, can I Let's see how many women like we? that idea out there. <laughs> yeah. They used to call that a wife, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. De- delete that. That's no, I can't be deleted. That's a beaut. <laughs> They're going to be... Uh, the women are going to come you, after me. It's good that you have the Great Dad Podcast <laughs> address listed at your house. Because <laughs> when they show up, oh, you're in a gated community, so they'll be outside the uh, gates. I'm going to warn that well, 80-year-old lady who's your your guard there. Yeah. Hey, well, watch out. Anybody who knows my wife knows that that is definitely not, not true. true. Yeah, yeah. I should say our wives. They're very yes. strong-willed. But... When they're not around, we can joke all we want. Of course, we have. That's the only time we can. <laughs> <laughs> when we're when we're locked, when we're safely locked inside Great Dive Podcast Studios, yes, we can make all the jokes we want. The vault, which is a little bit of like a a cave in and of itself, eh? Kind of is cave esque. Yeah, yeah. I like almost had to run a line to to get to this uh, chair today. Oh yeah, you can barely see the sunlight zone there. Yeah. <laughs> So, but never hurts to run a line. We got stage bottles planted in various places. 
behind the bar. <laughs> <laughs> Pass me that stage bottle of scotch, would you? <laughs> Speaking of caving, it is the dawn of National Cave Diving Month on the Great Dive Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. As you guys know from the last couple of years, end of January, it's, you know, up, up here in Michigan where we're from, it starts getting icy and snowy and miserable and it's brutal to go diving and you can do it and it's fun it's it's fun to do and you know ice diving it, it's got its unique attraction but it's a lot of work yeah and to spend any time it's it eventually is going to get painful yeah painful is a good word and and it's cool under there yeah it's go cool you, you got a unique environment you've got a chance for some really cool and unique photo opportunities video photo yeah yeah, yeah. and the but viz usually yeah viz you know, yeah exactly which is what, yeah, yeah which lends to that correct but there's times where i think as i'm getting out and i i can barely uh muster the strength yeah. in, left in my fingers to open my zipper <laughs> or <laughs> take <laughs> i can't get out of my gear because it's frozen on my dry suit hose is frozen on to the nipple there yes i think to myself like Last night when when we parted ways, if we would have just gotten in the car and started driving south to Florida, right, right about this same time, this next afternoon, we would be getting out of the water, warm. down in yeah. warm, beautiful northern Florida, you know, just probably, probably coming, <laughs> out of, coming out of Madison River, Blue yeah. Springs or something, right about this same time with a giant smile upon my face. Right. And you say, what the fuck am I doing up there? <laughs> Why? How? Why? What series of decisions caused me to stay there? Although Michigan was selected as one of the best states, if not the best state to visit. I believe the best. Yeah. There's some great states. I don't know. if I don't know. That's I a, saw a that hard ar- thing to say. That I saw the that article. Best. And it, it didn't have any section in that article about freezing your ass off ice under diving. under the ice yeah <laughs> <laughs> it is available i think they did they have a little scuba think, thing about the i think it talk, i think it talked about uh being by a warm fire up in wine country in northwestern michigan oh yeah yeah great that, time it's beautiful oh, beautiful cross-country skiers coming in drinking wine so as we as we try to break from our frozen icy abodes and move on down to northern florida for some cool cave diving we like to share with you, listeners, some of the lessons we've learned along the way and, and how cave diving can lend itself to making you a much better diver. Even if all you're ever going to be is just a shallow Schmuck. recreational diver. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Even if you're a schmuck. No. 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 Even if you're just a... You know, a, a warm water travel and reef diver, but you've got that level of training under your belt. Forget about it. Forget about it. Forget I mean, about you're gonna it. be, you're gonna be ten steps ahead of the game. Yeah, your your awareness in the water, your control in the water, right. your ability to to get into tight areas, not disturb the environment, and take a good picture, get amazing video, go into smaller swim through areas through that coral reef or shipwreck or whatever you're doing you're only going to be improved with the lessons you learn 
Not to mention a change in conditions will be nothing for it. You know, current kicks up. No big whoop. You know, you're used to, especially if you do your training here in North Central Florida. I mean, you you live in current. It's, it's yeah, you, you have to learn to manipulate your body in a way that you're not getting beat to blown away. Yeah. yeah. And you're not working in that current. So great training, that cave training. And and it opens up a whole new world uh, of diving environments, right? It's a whole different environment. Yeah. And to start off National Cave Diving Month, I wanted to take a look at some cave diving education and the lessons that you can learn from them. So I went to... I know this article that you found So I went to the source, the number one source that you would probably think of for cave diving education, and that would be the fourth quarter, 1995, (laughs) Patty Undersea Journal. (laughs) (laughs) Who does not, did not, and still does not offer... A cave diving class. No, but they do offer a cavern. They do offer a cavern, which is a which is yeah. is like a discover scuba with, in a way with cavern of it's like a discover scuba of cave diving. I would say of cavern diving. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I even even today anymore, you know, the cave agencies have restructured cave education so that it's not take a cavern class and that leads into intro anymore it's more like caverns a very recreational play around and if you're going to do it we're going to do the real thing right so in this article called lessons from the underground carl shreves old shrevesy old shrevesy wrote an article about cave diving he took a cave course. He took he himself and that's what took inspired a cave him. Class. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember this article. So the article actually starts off by saying, "So, how did you?" My instructor asked when we surfaced from a training dive, part of a cave diving course that I was taking in Northern Florida. All right. So if we go backwards a little bit, um, you know, one of the things that you and I have done in our training and continue to do in our training, which I think is unique to what a lot of people get, especially up here in our area, is that unique approach that really came out of cave diving education is that look back and analysis of the dive and the questioning that an instructor does of trying to get your mental placement on the dive, how you did, what you were thinking, what you recall, what you remember. Yeah. Where it is so so much education out there is just roll through the skills. Mm-hmm. Shake your hand. Shake your hand, you know, uh, give you the high five mm-hmm. and the flyer about the next class. You know, that's one of the things that really hit home for me years ago. Mm-hmm. It's serious training. They approach it seriously as a serious education and, and mission-oriented in the sense of you're going to do a real briefing. You're going to do a checklist. You're going to go through a plan, a real gas plan. You're going to do this every dive. You're going to do a quick safety drill, the S drill they call it. You're going to do that before you go on your dive in a cave. 
you don't see that in recreational training for sure. The awareness of where all your equipment is, your partner's equipment, that checklist that you go down is a lot more detailed and it's more critical. Uh, right, and, and, there, and there was that's no pre-dive, and there yeah. was no forgiveness on mistakes and errors. No, it was, there was pure no, punishment. Well, right after, not even so much. You are not forgiven. <laughs> you will, you not will sit one. in the solitary confinement. I mean, things weren't overlooked, right, or, and just blown off. Right, well, we did all make it up, and we're we're right. we're back on the surface again. Like when you had a plan of doing something, or you were supposed to do something, and you didn't do something. You were called out on it. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, it was the instructor giving you the opportunity to call yourself mm-hmm. out on it, which is what I, you know, that mentality that I changed the way I looked at education many mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah, it's, uh, they're actually trying to teach you. I, I think most cave instructors feel there's a responsibility you have to that student. What's not part of that responsibility is I'm your buddy Let's go have fun. The responsibility is they go away equipped and prepared and able to do the dives safely and come back alive. Well, cave diving, you're in an overhead environment now. It's easy to get lost. All the things that can go wrong in cave right. diving magnify the consequence. Yeah, yeah. And, and you, you as a student kind of have a job to sell the instructor. Right. That you know. That it's really you, sunk in. Yes, you that, get that it. You really get it. I, yeah. yeah I so, and uh, Old Shreves he says that uh, he starts the article by saying, "So, how did you do?" His instructor had asked him at the end of his uh, mm-hmm. at the end of his dive, and he says, "Well, I kicked up a bit of silt in that low passage at first. The student replied, but then I switched kicks. That seemed to work." Yes, it did. Good job. You demonstrated good silt control, which is particularly important in a silty cave like that one. The instructor affirmed. Anything else? The new way we rigged the light after that last dive seemed to work. It stayed put and I didn't drag, said another student. I noticed that, said the instructor. And it helps streamline you. With the current we have in a lot of caves, the more you streamline, the less effort to move against it. Although this is a scenario from a cave diving course, a close look shows that this is a debriefing that reflects exactly what we teach instructor candidates in an IDC. Problem identification, suggestions, restating the objective and value, and positive reinforcement. What differs, though, is that instead of the traditional approach where the instructor identifies problems and offers suggestions, The student identifies problems and provides suggestions on how to solve them. In this case, I was the first student in the scenario, and I found this new twist on the classic debriefing had some advantages. Maybe my suggestion would be the classic debriefing is this, and that the twisted part was what the other agencies have done to it. (laughs) Well, it's not that they've done... I wouldn't say that it's so much that they've done to it. It just... It kind of happens. They watered it down. Town. Well, yeah, yeah. Right. I think they watered it down. Be, again, I go back to this. They wanted to make it easy. They don't want to make it serious. They don't want to make it seem like you have to put work into it. So they water it down to, hey, good job. You know, the handshake. How did you like that dive? And look over or look past any of their mistakes because they, it's all supposed to be fun. Whereas the whole purpose of the debrief, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? Well, yeah. So and why? In, in the basic open water, 
I mean, you really got to screw up, right? But, but I mean, you really got to screw up in order to put yourself in some harm's way. I mean, mm-hmm. the numbers are, have been so mm-hmm. conservatively pulled down over the years for NDLs, the bottom time that you're going to have. I mean, uh, the computers are damn near holding your hand up to the surface again. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you really got to do a lot of things wrong. So the job of the instructor a lot of times is reminding you that you're having fun. This is great. Everything's wonderful. <laughs> you're having fun. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at a level class like this, it's there is a serious side that needs to be looked at. If anybody's really going to get better. Yeah. And not just a bunch of fluff. Yeah, you don't need the fluff. Naturally. After some dives, the instructor identified problems I didn't even know I had. But as the course progressed, I discovered that I was more critical of myself than the instructor would have been. Also, I identified problems the instructor didn't notice, allowing him to offer suggestions on how to improve. Does this approach work with Patty Open Water Diver students? Old Shrevesy asks. Absolutely, and doubtlessly, many PADI instructors already use it in debriefing trainees at any level. It really doesn't matter who identifies problems and offers suggestions, so long as someone does, and self-critique tends to be both positive and less ego-threatening. If students overlook something important, you can still identify it in the traditional manner. Yeah, so as an instructor, there's a huge value and power to that debrief after the dive, which should be more than just the handshake, right? Being able to get into get get into that diver's head and put them on a path of improving their thinking and their awareness on the dive, right? Yeah, and you can't do that if all you do is tell them you did everything right. Correct. Yeah, but basic recreational scuba has. And that's what you were saying earlier is the watering down. It's that. It's not that they're not teaching all the skills. It's just they're glad they've glassed it over so much and candy watered it down. Yeah, Yeah. candy coated. Very good. Candy coated it in a way that everybody does good. You're never told anything wrong. There's so much positive reinforcement. Yeah, everybody goes away with a warm fuzzy, which is, it's fine. I mean, I don't want to come across like I'm the scuba Nazi, because that's not it at all. It's, uh, I feel you pay for something, and I guess I'm this way because I've paid for something and got the pat on the back quite a bit, didn't realize it, all that money that I blew to really learn diving, and I kept going, there's something missing, there's something missing, there's something missing, and I finally went to a place that showed me you're doing this wrong and this wrong and this wrong, and nobody ever pointed that right shit all out. along the yeah. way. Correct. And, and listen, it really doesn't matter what you're doing. Paint, it doesn't painting, mm-hmm. right? You you go do like a, a painting in the park, uh, paint by numbers, mm-hmm. um, painting and wine class. I got all those crazy uh, things going on nowadays. If you it's have, everything in wine. If you've There's never, still wine with it. It's good. <laughs> We're going to uh, lay some concrete. We're going to teach you how to lay concrete. And wine. And wine, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> I got a class uh, I'm going to at Home Depot. It's uh, paver stones and wine. Cleaning the house and wine. Come to my house. <laughs> a couple bottles of wine. That's worth it. 
Although I don't know the quality you'd get after, near the end of the class, but. But, uh, you know, it's like every mom party, you know, yeah. it seems to be, okay, we're going to go do the painting with a twist. That's right. The, that's the word it's I'm going to right, so do. That. Well, the oh, the is, twist is we get hammered. <laughs> hey, welcome to the world of men. We, we've been doing this for fucking millennia. <laughs> 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 That's why we're working on the car in the garage with a case of beer. I'm like, wait a minute. Oil's not going to change itself, honey. My point is, like, if you learn anything new and you walk away that you're totally awesome and perfect at it, on day one. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> that should be a red flag. Like, nobody goes into anything at a first go and they're perfect. And that's the problem with what you meant by the watering down. Right. What I'm saying is the right. candy coating mm-hmm. is you're not perfect. In fact, you're a long way from perfect. Even if you were the best one in the class, there's a I, I guarantee you there's a ton of shit that you're doing wrong. Now, you can make the point that some of the things might not be material because there's more important things that you need to get better at first before you can even have the awareness and realize. True. Right? Yeah, you're not ready for that. Correct. I'm totally with you there. Mm -hmm. But I think this, in where old Shrevesy was going with this article is, when he took that class, he realized there's a lot of value to that way of teaching that a basic open water instructor could bring into the quarry or into that 30-foot reef, wherever you you happen to be teaching that and bringing that new diver into this new world. Instead of always going, you did great. There's a value to getting the diver's mind to understanding how he can make himself better. Well, I was going to say, that's what the you did great method leaves out is, well, where do I go? Where do I do to improve if I'm doing so great? And my biggest pet peeve about it, my thing about it is it can give that new diver a false sense of security, which the ego attaches to. And next thing you know, they're at 150 feet on a steel 72 because they're great divers. Right. They got and 22 dives total. Yeah, exactly. And it's right. very forgiving and you probably live once or twice. But there, you've just set the bar again, how far you can go and nothing went wrong. So this must be my new limit. This must be my new, as far as I can go. Well, the problem is nothing went wrong. It's the good and bad thing. I right. mean, the good thing is you're alive. Luck- this, luckily, the bad thing is yeah, it's, it's luckily, you think that's that's. Because you did everything right. No. Because your instructor told you that. Yeah. Right. Your instructor told you that, that you're doing everything right and perfect. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it doesn't even dawn on you that overweighting, shit trim, terrible propulsion, uh, working to stay at a depth, right? It, you got by. You still live. A lived. couple of times. Yeah. Right. Until those attributes. Get you. Get you. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, shit. Being able to stay still would have really helped me not die right on on this moment. And this is the debate that we enter into with with different divers who you try to tell them, well, we do things this way for a reason, and then we state our reasons. And then they'll say, well, I've been doing it like this, and none of that has ever happened. Yep. It, the, the mistake in your sentence there is never. You use that absolute. Hasn't yet happened yet is the thing. Right. And you're a dumbass. I, I don't know if I should add that. If you got that ego so big that you are unwilling to even entertain the possibility that shit may hit the fan, you're a dumbass. Well, you're just lying to yourself, right? You, and your wife. 
<laughs> and your family. <laughs> and your family. And all the girls at the wine sculptor class. <laughs> if you're not familiar with cave or cavern diving techniques, you may not be aware that buoyancy control is one of the most important skills. Stirring up silt and blotting out visibility while annoying in open water can be outright hazardous in caves and caverns. Therefore, cave divers avoid contact with the bottom at all costs. Your fins stay up, and you learn to do everything hovering, even when you're only centimeters from the bottom. He didn't. He couldn't say inches. Well, he does. He says centimeters slash inches. I just oh, it was right at the end. So I just oh, I it, thought it we was were the getting transition off. and. Old Shrevesy's trying to be all European on us. No, no, no. That was Come on, Shrevesy. That was my edit on the fly. Uh, even when you're only uh, centimeters, inches off, centimeters slash. Even next, though next you're, down. you're only fractions of a mile from the bottom. <laughs> okay. Yeah, when you are, when you're in a really silty area, if you stir up the bottom and lose... All your visibility because of that soft clay bottom. Oh, right? just I mean, clay just, bottom's worse. Man. Just just think of like the the times when you're out in open water and people just because you've got all the whole entire rest of the quarry or ocean, ocean around yeah. them, right? You can stir up the bottom for a minute while you're clearing a mask or pulling something out of a pocket or taking yeah, a picture you can swim out and then you can swim away and you go do something else and you don't even think about it you don't even think of the consequences of it but when you stir it up and that silt doesn't go away and you can't swim away from it and you're stuck in it and now you have no visual reference to your way home boy the consequences greatly increase well, especially a clay. Clay, the difference, the thing about clay, and you learn this in a cave class, is different bottom compositions, silt, sand, dirt, clay, which is the worst, I think, because when you stir that clay up, the, the clay actually bonds with the water mo- molecule, and it doesn't settle down for months, months and months. Uh, you're you're stuck if there's no, and especially if you're in a cave with little to no little flow which flow, yeah. a lot of new divers new cave divers oh i want to go like peacock has little to no flow and there are cave, there are clay sections especially that little jump that you did there's the, that clay section out there if you stir that up if you oh, get yeah, in it yeah. and it's not moving you're going to be in trouble you are <laughs> it's a it's a hassle <laughs> and it's not it's a puckering moment yes, your, uh, pucker the, your smile's gonna fade yeah right because in you front like of you it. It's completely quiet, undisturbed, crystal clear, beautiful sight in front of you. But yes, when you turn around to to try to go back home and it's chocolate milk, when you realize those consequences, right? And you've learned the how bad those consequences can be, and now you go to some place like the quarry or you go some place like the reef in the Cayman Islands and you have that ability to stay in an area of a cave where you only have a couple of feet around you a very delicate bottom that you are not allowed to disturb otherwise the consequences are so high and you take that into this open water area now you have so much freedom right that your 
your control to be able to, like we were saying earlier, like get into tighter areas and get closer to the reef and get closer to that marine life that you're going to take a picture of. The value further on your dive. Yeah, yeah. The, mm-hmm. the, the values that you pick up by putting yourself in a in an environment where you have to be so particular with your buoyancy and, and your balance is going to do nothing but make you a better open water diver. For sure. That was my original motivation for taking a cave class was I wanted to be a better open water diver. Thought it would be a b- make me a better instructor, which it did. Well, I began the cave diving course with what I hoped were acceptable buoyancy skills. I quickly learned that when task loaded, good buoyancy control alone isn't enough. Now I had to perform relatively complex skills like sharing air and manipulating a reel in the dark with a light without losing buoyancy control. In short order, my buoyancy skills went up a notch because now I had to maintain peak performance buoyancy unconsciously. Plug. Class plug. (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) (laughs) Well, peak. what you quickly learn in a cave class is peak performance buoyancy is just buoyancy control. There's no, like, level. It's just buoyancy control. Have effing control over your buoyancy right. all the time. And pivoting on your fin tips does not is not do buoyancy yeah, control. Yeah, that's not buoyancy control at all. Well, it's buoyancy alter- alteration. You alter your buoyancy. You're seeing what how buoyancy can change, it's, but it's out in, of your control. It is no, in no way controlled. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. Since entry-level divers are still developing buoyancy skills, we can't expect the same of them. One reason for having open water students practice skills while maintaining contact with the pool, confined water bottom, and later insensitive open water bottom is that they still think primarily in two dimensions. Expecting them to do everything in three adds a bit more task loading than the typical beginning diver can easily handle. Well, that's their opinion. What do you think about that? I would fully disagree. Thank you. Now, I understand maybe maybe he can get away with this statement in 1995. Because it was, it was at the peak of the watering down of sure. we're, we're going to have all, everyone diving. That means every lazy ass, don't want to work moron is going to come into our class and we're going to make them feel good about it. Right. In order, and the only way we're going to be able to get everybody diving is is make the standards low to a way that everybody yeah. can dive. What does that and, do and to everything, you, though? Oh, I, I agreed, agreed. So yeah. if you if you make the standard right from the beginning, right, and, and he's telling you here, I want to go, I want to go cave diving, and I'm realizing how much more important control of my mm-hmm. buoyancy is. It's, it's, I, I've got to have that stuff down and in, in, in control. And then he's backtracking going, but we can't expect every beginning open water diver to do this. Mm, I and, don't. And what I'm saying but. is if this is the standard right. for diving is you're in a three-dimensional world. Right. You have to have control. Where you, and, and period. So, period. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm, exactly. Why all of a sudden you can let it go just because you're new. The idea of a certification is you are at a level of buoyancy control. You don't have to be able to run a reel, have stage bottles, and maneuver through little tight passages completely neutrally buoyant and stand still. But you do need to be able to stay neutrally buoyant at all Correct. times whenever you want to. And your understanding of buoyancy control when you get to that level right. should be the same understanding of buoyancy control Bingo. 
when you start. Yeah, the understanding. And that's the thing is you're not showing the bar. In that theory that he's giving, you're not showing the bar. You're just you're actually showing shit. And you're like, okay, this is shit. We want you to do this shit. You did it. Well, of course I did it. A monkey could do it. And congratulations, you're certified. And you're going, wow, well, I'm a yeah. diver. And that's where, right, where we are going earlier yeah. is that's that false sense. Yeah. When you get to a place where you, they go, yeah, now you have to maintain buoyancy while you're running this reel. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I do my buoyancy <laughs> all the time. <laughs> they drag their fins across <laughs> the bottom, yeah. Most instructors teach their open water students that the okay signal is a command sign, meaning the expected answer of okay or not okay. Cave and cavern diving have two other command signals, the abort or surface thumbs up signal and the hold, uh, a raised fist signal. Since it's very important that all team members understand a signal and avoid confusion, the appropriate response to a command signal is the same signal. Following the same practice reduces confusion with any level of diver training or diving. Rather than teaching the students to simply signal okay to your surface command, have them reply with the same signal. That way, when you tell the class to surface, you can be certain everyone understands what you're asking. Haven't you always done that? I have. I, have, I mean, yeah. I've been teaching that way for... You answer with a... So that it does indicate understanding. Well, this goes to like what we were saying yeah, in okay. a couple of our episodes <laughs> right. earlier yeah. of why that, the OK signal is the most hated yeah, it's signal annoying. by by anybody who knows better, right? But what he's, I think what old Shreves is saying here and was telling instructors back here is the value of reinforcing communication with command signals mm -hmm. where so many instructors just let everybody slide with just throwing up that okay right. on everything. Right. And then that's why the okay signal, in my opinion, has been turned into a, I have no clue what you're saying. Yes. But if I, I mean, show it, you this, yeah. you'll stop looking <laughs> yeah. at me. Signal right? is what it really as is. they're running out of gas, <laughs> as they're getting lost, as they're tangled up. Uh, yeah. Ear problems. I'm yeah. Okay. That's I'm why like, you, you give somebody the thumbs up of, Hey, let, let's go up. And they give and you they, the okay And they back. flash you the okay back. You know, as yeah. soon as you take your eye off them, they're going to turn around and go swim at something yeah. else. Because they didn't, get it. Not, they didn't mm -hmm. get it. They didn't get it. They didn't. Yes. He moves on to talking about dumping the danglies. <laughs> Have you ever called them danglies? No, I don't think I've ever. I guess. That's, I, I uh, just say, get your shit. That sounds that like. That shit a, hanging off of you. That's, that's, <laughs> danglies. That's like, uh, sounds like a. Uh, like a. Like uh, something we were doing on a Saturday night, a couple <laughs> years out, a couple years out of high school, dumping the danglies. Yeah. What are we? Uh, what are we doing tonight? We're Let's dumping go the dump danglies. The danglies. Dumping the danglies. Don't tell my mom. <laughs> dumping the danglies. It's time to dump the danglies, boys. One thing we constantly strive to teach divers at all levels is to avoid dangling pressure gauges and alternate air sources and accessories. I don't believe you, Carl. I don't believe you right there. I can look through your, your manuals and show all that shit hanging off. If you were trying to teach them, you wouldn't picture it in the, the manual for the new students to go, this is the ideal diver. Right. Okay. Well, he said, well, he believes that they strive <laughs> to teach that. But he, as we know, that, that, that is not how it played out. 
We do this to reduce swim drag, to reduce damage to the environment, and to prevent equipment damage. All good goals. They're very good goals. Not really conducive to the concept of a retractor. The unit itself adds nine inches. Yeah, it hangs down already. To, right. To the place where the thing that you want to clip already adds an, another nine inches of separation. Correct. Be, your big old shotgun or shotgun pistol grip uh, night diving light with that has like 12 D batteries in it. That monstrosity. That, that's on a 36-inch snappy coil phone cord, right? Yeah, that big old thing. Right. No matter how well you've got that thing clipped up, it is the dictionary definition of dangling. It is. In cave diving, the same applies. With the added incentive that dangling equipment tangles easily with the guideline. Despite our advice, a few divers don't heed it. While this may be due to obstinance in a few cases, the majority of those who don't may simply reflect ignorance. They don't know how to reduce dangling equipment, or they don't recognize what it is. And or their instructor told them, do it my way. Yeah, well, they, they, they see the, the ease and the convenience of a quick pulley, easy to grab. You can undo like, a bolt snap. Yes, like a flailing amputee could, could <laughs> get this. Can you flail? <laughs> <laughs> the picture that you just. His I mean, name is his yeah, name I mean, is Bob, and I he's mean, uh, floating uh, at the I mean, surface. Uh, amputee from from the from the elbow down. Okay, uh, okay. Right? Could a lower be, uh, below the elbow? Yeah, could like could unclip this light and 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 uh, deploy it and start using it right uh, because of the convenience of this snappy, clippy retractory. Right? That's what I mean. Right. Um, that is. Yes, it's clipped on the jacket D-ring on one end, and it's clicked on the device on the other end, but that convenience has a cost. And it, no matter whether it's clipped on or not, it's dangling, and it's, it's draggling. Mm -hmm. It's draggling. Draggling. It for sure yeah. is dangling. Dangling and draggling. Not to mention, I mean, that whatever cord you've got on it, whether it's that, that phone cord, that curly phone cord that you've got, or the steel oh, cable yeah, one. Well, yeah. That I used that, to see it get caught all the time, you know, caught and dragged and twirled, and, you know, caught into things. It's so thin. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and uh, I mean, and that retractor is going to break. Oh yeah, for sure, it's going to break. It's going to rust and break. Yeah. yeah. Even if the so well, now, it's, now it's you've stainless got, steel. Now you got I, the connectors inches of stainless steel mm -hmm. coil. You got to make the entire thing stainless steel for it not to rust. They break. The screws break on it. Whatever break. Whatever part that is not surgical stainless steel goes yeah like the coiling wheel on yeah. the inside yeah right? exactly when that goes There's a part in it now, boom, yeah. you've yeah. got exactly two feet of stainless steel cable dangling around he says cave diving courses solve the problem by making equipment set up a standard part of the program during my course the instructor spent time with each student sharing new ways to secure consoles and alternates attach clips and so on we didn't move on until everything met cave diving standards. Now, I, I would say that that's one of the things that I like about having a real, true, thought-out 
concept of an equipment configuration is the fact that you do spend so much time in a class like this talking about why you're using a certain product versus mm-hmm. just continually adding stuff to your rig. The old uh, solve your, your skill problems with equipment kind of adage. It's rampant in a technical period, but it's really rampant in recreational versus figure out, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. I mean, this has been done by divers who dive thousands of dives a year and exploration dives and multitude of environments. So they strive for a configuration and equipment choice that works everywhere. They don't like changing equipment. There's a downside to changing your configuration for different environments. There's a big downside. A huge downside. I would agree with that. I'm a a strong proponent of that that way of thinking for sure. Uniformity and that that configuration and the choice. So... Right, but when you first come to that, so if you're in that recreational world, like where Carl's at right now talking about the value of going into this training, you know, one of those big things for him was that realization that, hey, let's have a conversation, not about necessarily you need to have a light because it's going to be dark, but why you're going to pick the light that you're going to pick why you're going to stow the light where you're going to stow it, right? Why you're going to clip the light in a way that you're going to clip it where you're going to stow it, right? So it's not just throw a light on, throw a backup light on. There's a, there's a thought process to all of it so that when you are in a place where you need to go to a backup, it's always where it is. It's clipped in a way that when you, without even looking, you can grab it and you know that even if you get three or four things on that D-ring, without even looking, you can go, this is the light that I need, right? So there's a thought process that goes into that, whereas most divers coming into just a recreational game, it's just, hey, I need a backup light, otherwise they're not going to let me do the night dive. And for the typical recreational diver, you know, when you're at that training site on the platform and you go to deploy this light out of your pocket, Right. If you were to go and swim five feet away from the platform and do the same skill, the majority of them are going to, as they're flailing and fumbling and trying to undo that, right, they're going to just plummet, 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 plummet into the bottom. And, and you, you realize that when you've gone through the cave training, that's completely unacceptable. So having, you know, backtracking to the control of the buoyancy, what real buoyancy control is, is the ability to stop thinking about buoyancy, right? To, to do something else, some new skill, like something as simple as deploy a light. And then the buoyancy doesn't change. Whereas most recreational divers, because they really haven't done real buoyancy control, it's just be buoyant at this particular time. Now when you're not thinking about buoyancy, you lose it. Unless they've done the peak performance buoyancy. <laughs> Unless they've done the peak <laughs> performance buoyancy specialty. Yes. <laughs> One of the other things that he talks about is eliminating ego threat. He says, as discussed in the Patty Rescue Diver class, peer pressure can lead to dive accidents. It can cause divers to make dives they might otherwise not, or to continue dives past the diver's safety or comfort. Cave diving students learn a principle that offsets most of the problems of peer pressure. 
Any diver can cancel any dive at any time for any reason. In the cave community, divers learn to respect this rule to the point that I just had a bad feeling is no less justifiable than my SPG is leaking. To me, it's always kind of been that way, but we've always had this. Anybody can thumb it for any reason they want. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, that's in the tech diving world because I would say, you know, cave diving was is pro- easily the, the original tech diving, right? Um, but the value of that coming back to the recreational world where there typically is so much peer pressure for for new, new divers, right? Um You'll be fine on the deep dive, even though even though you're using the same aluminum 63, right? That, that you had earlier, you'll be fine, right? Which puts people beyond their ability. Uh, we're just gonna go. We're just gonna go a little bit inside the shipwreck. Just put right? the tip in. Yeah, right. There, so there is that peer pressure <laughs> to do more that you don't. I mean, you don't typically see that in the cave world, where you would say, "I'm not ready." for whatever for whatever particular a jump or circuit or or, you know pushing in another stage or going further in where you would go no we're doing it anyways you would see the thumb and nobody's going to tell you now now you're fine let's keep going you see the thumb it's going to go everybody just gives thumbs yeah yeah and get out of there well shreves he says does this apply to non cave diving and absolutely it does and it reserves peer pressure. When divers accept that they can cancel any dive for any reason, it becomes difficult to justify a bad decision. Peer pressure instead pushes the diver to make the conservative, safe decision because it's hard to say later, I didn't really want to make the dive, but... But James made me. (laughs) But isn't an excuse any longer. Any diver can cancel any dive at any time for any reason really applies to all types and all levels of diving. But sometimes divers don't think this way. It's worth taking a moment to reinforce it. And I think the community is, I mean, from 1995 has gotten much better at that part coming into the early games. But it's still there. Oh, yeah. I think you're always going to have it. I think it's, uh, some of it's just uh, personal. It's just the person. You know, it's just like the person that does the deep dive on a 72 for ego, you know. Well, yeah. I mean, you and know. that's right exactly what he's getting at. talking yeah, about yeah. is eliminating that ego yeah. threat. Yeah. Like I say, I think you redu- reduced it, but I don't think it's gone. I don't know if you ever will have it all gone. But that's me. It's opinion. Well, there'll always be. Mm-hmm. There'll always be that guy. Exactly. Of, of course. Exactly. Right. That's what I'm getting at. But, um. I think it's slowly evolving away in, in some ways. Nat, a bit of natural selection over the last 25 years. Yeah, I think that's helped. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing goes to waste, really. Albeit sad that there's been mishaps and divers die, people die, but at least you learned in hindsight that, well, he had a bad feeling. He should have followed his hunch or his gut feeling. and Or, you know, he had this little minuscule, what seemed to be a minuscule problem going on at the beginning. He should have called it right there, or fixed it, or addressed it. So that's what you're learning, well, yeah. and that's part of the well. That's the what ego. Yeah, issue. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I think most people are not exposed to that until they get to a technical or yeah. cave level class, mm-hmm. right? You and I have added that 
to regular for, open for water. For years mm-hmm. to regular, that, mm-hmm. that thinking to regular open water for many years now. Mm-hmm. Which I think is the point, you know, here in 1995, yes. and even definitely today in 2020, rereading this article from 1995, that is the point of there's a ton of value of taking those lessons from cave diving and giving them to the open water diver, which is how I've, you know, for like two decades now based my mm-hmm. thinking of, of teaching is, is based on I don't ever want a student that I have that's going to move to the next level and find out that they're unprepared right. for that next step that they should be prepared for. At least they should it's have the knowledge thing. of what what it is, what it is that makes a good diver. What is have that knowledge? You don't have to have the skills. Well, I get yeah, it. yeah, because yeah, that it, takes it's time. It's one thing learning the new skill. That's right. why you're taking the class, right? Right. But to to show up to that class without even the base, right? For the next or the level, base awareness, yeah. the base. Where, in other words, to show up to the class believing that having your fins stuck on the bottom is acceptable, that that's buoyancy control, or that when you have to clear a mask, you get on your knees, or whatever nonsense that has been taught in the past, that I know they're slowly drifting away from it, and they're slowly trying to pull away from it, but why were they ever there? When we've got right here in 1995, yes, old uh, Shreevesy's saying, hey, (laughs) these are the lessons to you open water instructors that are getting this magazine every quarter. Right, that I've learned by taking this class, how we can be better so that in 2020, James and Brando aren't going to have to sit on a podcast <laughs> and tell you guys, fun of open, your, open your damn, defog your masks, people. Put some P-fog in your mask so you can see. Old Shreevesy ends this by saying, never stop learning. Probably the most important lesson that came out of my cave diving course was this. No matter what level of training you hold or how much experience you have, you can still learn more through continuing education. I learned a lot about new diving activity that interests me. But more importantly, I learned some new and better ways to teach. Even if I had found I don't like cave diving, what I learned about teaching made the entire experience worth it. In short, taking courses makes you better at teaching courses. I agree. Well, it depends on the classes, or the, the courses, if you ask me. I, yeah, I would sure. have to add that caveat. but um, and, and I would say that learning things, even outside of diving, oh, is yeah. going to make you a better instructor at diving. Right? If, learning, learning from good instructors, whether it's drunk painting with, uh, with the wives club. <laughs> the Bob Ross right? drunk class. Or, yeah. you, or you take a, uh, yeah. You so learn the, from the, everything. Every you, class. You yeah. Take. Every yeah. class you, you take, you're going to learn something. Yeah. Right? You learn from a, you, you're learning from a good martial arts instructor. You're going to take some of those values and put them into the education you're teaching about scuba diving. You yeah. learn from a good, skydiving, glass blowing, glass blowing. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, every every teacher, you know, has something to show you whether they're doing it right or wrong, I guess, right? Yeah. You can always serve as a bad example. There you go. You can I can always learn, learn something. From it, yes. Yeah, nobody's wasted. Nobody's useless. You can always serve as a bad example. No doubt there's always going to be value to learning something new that you can put back into your diving into your your teaching if if you are an instructor. And that's who this 
article was really intended for was instructors. But I think it was also looking at the ego that a lot of instructors have. Mm-hmm. And what he's saying is, yes, you're an instructor. You're a master scuba diver trainer. You're a master instructor, IDC staff instructor. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole lot to learn, by the way, still, yeah. that, that you don't have yet. Yes. And I'm living proof, I think, is what he's, he's saying. Here I thought I was okay. top dog at, mm-hmm. a, at the top agency, mm-hmm. went down to take a cave class, and I'm coming back telling you, wow, there's still a huge plateau out there ahead of us yeah. that we can climb to. So in a sidebar at the very beginning of this article, it says, few forms of diving carry as much potential hazard as cave diving. Hence, cave diving's reputation for discipline when following safety rules and using required equipment. As the oldest and most established form of technical diving, it might seem that little about cave diver training would apply to how you train beginning open water divers. Editor Carl Shreves learned that the cave diving community does a few things that can help train recreational divers. I would agree wholeheartedly and then go on past that and say most of the class, most of the course philosophy, if you will, and methodology can be brought into open water class because of its logical approach. It's based on pure experience. It's based on, you know, real dives, not lawyers in a room trying to protect their goddamn liability. Correct. Right. I'm wholeheartedly with you. Right. So when you have that as the, the base to your educational philosophy, it creates a consistent platform to go from beginning to end. There you go. Because the, How huge is that, James? Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's a, yeah. I mean, it, it should be a, a foundational pillar right. of the educational platform that you can, knowing that what you're going to learn on the very last level class Right. What you're going to learn on that very last level class is 100% in line with what you learn on day one. On day one mm-hmm. right? There's a consistent model and a co- consistent approach all the way. Yeah, you didn't have to go back at any point and go, well, remember this? Scratch that. Oh, yeah. Forget about that. Remember, We're going to do it different Remember the, yeah. the fin pivot? Now we really got to learn going to control. Throw that fin pivot out. We don't need to do that anymore. Or all the other crap that goes, you know, to include, in, in my mind, the fucking snorkel and, and all the stupid shit that is in an open water class that's really not relevant. Well, I... You know, yeah, you should I'm learn snorkeling. Yes, you should. Get you comfortable in water, you and it's your it's your breaking in Absolutely. session. Absolutely. Yeah, you got to know what a snorkel you is. It. You have to know how to use a snorkel. Yeah. You have to be really good at snorkeling yeah. to be a scuba diver. No, I fully agree with that. And then, But you don't need it on your get head. Get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it snorkeling. Keep it in the bag until you're snorkeling. <laughs> I'm, with, I'm 100% yeah. with you there, yeah. right? I know. I think we agree on, on probably 99.9% of everything as far as scuba diving goes. That being said. Yeah, that being said... uh I came across this. I thought this was a pretty cool article from 25 years ago of of getting, you know, I figured it'd be a good start to our cave diving month this year of looking at what these guys were saying is going to be a highly valuable addition to just basic recreational scuba for all these instructors that are out there to, to start adding these elements in. And then now here we are 25 years later. We're still trying to get that same concept across, right? Right. We're still trying to get that into the heads of, of people. Of no, there's there's logic to this, of having a solid base from the beginning. 
rather than just being wham bam, get them get you done as quick as possible, and then we'll let somebody else reteach you what you really need to know somewhere down the road, five ten classes later. Unless you, you know, that student is me, who's just so there's still a lot of. And I need to let it go. My therapist says I need to let it go. <laughs> but there's so much anger in that philosophy. You know, it's anger in me because of that philosophy. And I, I don't think I'm alone. I don't like to waste money. I don't like to waste time. And it, if I'm pursuing something, and usually I try to be very good at it. I'm not going to say I'm going to be the best in the world, but I try to get good at things, right, that I enjoy. And right. Like. But I'm with you. It's I, hard I, I, when they fed your head full of shit and, and clapped, you know, smacked you on the back. And, and, said, told, and told you you were doing you're great. Doing great. Yeah, right. I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, hey, everybody. That's uh, that's part one of Cave Is this a four-part? Well, we it's not a four-part. Four it's not a four-part. It's, it's a four, but well, four gonna, episode, it's cave month. month. It's the beginning of the month. We're going to have a couple, months, a couple more weeks, a couple Caves. more episodes of, of Cave Talk and how that can relate to you. Cave Talk. Yes, you. The, the just the regular old reef diver. Should we do a spinoff uh, podcast called Cave Talk? It's like Coffee Talk. This is Cave Talk. Cave Talk. Welcome to Cave with, Talk. Uh, I like it. Cave Cave Talk for for the next month. And we have our little cave talk comment. We, we have a little which trip we'll we're going to do and in the actually infuse our yeah. uh, podcast it'll be, it'll be good with to get a, back down. Have a, some shot, fun. a shot of cave syrup. All right, everybody. On that note, uh, we will talk to you. Next week. See you later. What the hell is that? I don't know. <laughs> Safe it was, diving. It was folks. me from talking in the back of the cave. <laughs> okay, it's spooky. Hey, Brando. Brando, 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 Brando. Side my log book, 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 book. I can't, 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 can't find it. See you later. Later. Ciao. Safe diving.